Thank you for listening to this talk produced by the Art Gallery of South Australia. Welcome, everybody. It's absolutely wonderful to see so many of you here. And, uh, you know, I've always thought that John's a bit of a rock star. <laughs> and uh, so you've got quite a following, John. Um, I would just like to say welcome. My name is Tracy Locke, Curator of Australian Art. And um, I worked with Elle Freak on curating this exhibition, Adelaide Cool. And it's my great pleasure today to introduce uh, John Dowitz to you, uh, whose works are included in the, in the display along with those of his father, David Dowitz. Uh, John is a bit of a, a kind of South Australian treasure, uh, if you like, quite a legend. John has worked as a, a, a photographer, a painter, a archivist, uh, a designer, and his versatility is quite extraordinary, but not only his versatility, uh, the sheer quality and um, greatness, really, if you like, of his work is, is quite phenomenal. This entire display that you'll see very shortly came out of a phone call I received from John about 12 months ago and John called me and he said, Tracy, did you realise that um, this year, being 2019 then, this year it will be 50 years since David Dowitz's painting Blue Flash was exi first exhibited? And I said, well, obviously, I wasn't, sure, wasn't aware of that at that very moment. But we both agreed that it really was something that sh the gallery perhaps should uh, mention or highlight uh, last year. And then really Adelaide Cool, the whole display, is the result of really that phone call because things kind of grew and grew. And it was an incredibly exciting project for us to work on. Uh, because of numbers today, we're going to, John's going to speak for a little while because what he had planned to do is talk about individual works, but he'll speak with you for a little while here and then perhaps part way through the conversation we can move into the space but stand for standing room only. So we have concerns about risk to the objects. Um, I think I might leave it at that and hand over to John and uh, we'll, we'll um, look forward to his words today. Thank you. Thank you, Tracy. Um, talk about treasures. I reckon Tracy and Elle are a couple of the treasures of Adelaide also. So we do. I think this would not have happened 30 years ago. Um, it's only really with this, there's a, there seemed to be a new wave of people all over Australia, and I'm seeing it in art galleries in many places in Australia. There's a, there's a new interest, there's a different approach, and I felt very warmly welcomed to be part of that, and I'm really pleased that, that we've been able to do something together. Um, I would point out that in the exhibition itself, there are many, many things to look at and to read, not just the paintings. 
And it's that particular aspect that I think has changed a great deal in the last few decades. There was a time when art galleries were a place where, of mystery, where you went uh, with not a great deal of welcome. You were watched by, by people in black suits and, and you weren't allowed to get even too close to paintings, let alone read anything about them and find out anything about the, the background and about the, the situations and the, and the people leading up to those things. Now, that's the biggest change which has occurred. So I do encourage you, because I don't want to have to go over it all again, there are little slideshows, there are extensive captions on the objects, there's, there's rooms full of other captions which there wasn't space for, so I'm, I'm, I must apologise for that, 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 that there just wasn't space for everything to be said. However, um, there is a lot in there and, and I do encourage you to look at it in detail because it does build up a picture or it was meant to build up a picture of the, the time of, of, in Adelaide, of myself and my father and our family and our activities, all of that is touched upon in this exhibition. So what I really want to talk about today are things which aren't touched upon in the exhibition. Some of the ways in which these things occurred and some of the things that have happened since even where it wasn't really part of the brief for this display. Um, Tracy uh, mentioned the, uh, the business of a, of a discussion suddenly both realising that it was uh, 50 years for, from the creation of Blue Flash. Um, and, but three years before that, or four years before that, I had the need to um, take some, or sh sh move some of my collection from one place to another. And in fact, that, that has happened over the last few years. We've built a, a new house and we had storage space for the first time to actually bring in all the things that were in little bits and pieces in other people's sheds all over the place, up in the rafters and, and, and as part of the estate of my father and my late mother, these things needed to be reaccommodated, were able to be reassessed and reappraised. And one of the things that had happened is that, and we have referred to this and Tracy has written about it, is at the end of my father's exhibition in 1969, and during that year in which I had three exhibitions, in three one-person exhibitions, all in 1969, it wasn't just a matter of blowing out of, our, our blowing out of steam. There was just no interest whatsoever in Adelaide and not even in Sydney for my father's work. These beautiful pieces which you can see there, spectacular pieces of Australian hard-edge abstract work. I knew how good they were. All our friends knew how good they were. We all loved them. We all went to parties and told each other how good they were. But nobody else, nobody else would, would, would seem to recognise that. So not one of those sold. And this story has been repeated several times since then. Um, so I ended up being the only person with any sort of archival interest in the family at the time. A father couldn't care less. If he didn't like something, he'd just paint over it or leave it on the front veranda at Seacliff in the, in the western, western weather. 
Um, and that's where some of these big pieces stayed for several years after the exhibition. And that didn't do them any good at all. It changed colours, it, it, changed, it put rust on the backs of canvases, and I've still got some at home that I haven't, haven't even been game to tackle yet, where, where this masking tape has got paints slipped underneath it and it's just not the way he had it originally, it, it, not what he intended. So there's still some beautiful works um, which, which, which are potentially re restorable, but not, not yet. But in that process, that first process of moving things, I found a single gigantic nude, a really big piece, um, nearly two metres high, a massive nude, a very nice nude. It was Helga, actually. She's now a, a school teacher in the Pitjantjara lands. You would never believe it. But Helga was the nude model. And I, while it was a great painting, I, in moving it, I found at the back of the painting, re, it had been turned over, and at the back was a huge orange and black and white um, abstract piece. And I immediately recognised it. I hadn't seen it because it was on the back. And I immediately recognised it, that it was the third of three pieces of which I had two. I already had the other two in storage. And I was wondering, what can you do with two-thirds of a gigantic painting? And especially since it was such a formal, a formal design, which you'll see in the next room, this, this huge uh, painting uh, with, with the big curves, um, that, that you, you've, you've got in that, that next, next room called Dynamo. Now, the reason that suddenly I saw that this, these, these big painting, this big painting, and it had written on the board Dynamo. It didn't have Helga written on the back of the painting. It had Dynamo written on the back of, back of the painting. So uh, it was no doubt that this was the third piece of the big, the big artwork. So over the next couple of years I, I thought about this and what can we do about it. I wasn't at all confident that I'd be able to re-stretch it having, if I took it off the frame and turned it over. Would it, would it fit again if it came back? Would it still join up with the other two? And it wasn't until um, Tracy said, yes, let's go ahead with an exhibition, I suddenly thought, well, I've got to do Dynamo. I've got to fix Dynamo somehow. So three or four years I'd been thinking about it and finally I'd got up the courage to actually undo all the, all the staples at the back, wash off the rust um, and, and turned it over. And to my surprise, I found that it fitted perfectly within millimetres of, of this actual shape. So the, the canvas, having been painted on with acrylic, had, had not at all changed shape at, and, and the timber was very good quality uh, Western Red Cedar stretcher made by Pimlot and Company, out, who used to do all the, art, all the art school canvases, and I believe they're still in business, but Pimlot's at North Adelaide used to make all of David's um, big, big frames and stretchers, and he used good quality canvas. So all of that had stayed very stable. So all I had to do was really turn it over. And to my surprise, putting it together, I even found bolt holes where the, where the original frames had been bolted together. So there was no doubt that I could exactly put back together the original painting. So now poor old Helga is on the back, not on the front. <laughs> However, um, perhaps one of the, the most difficult things to do uh, 
was to replicate the aluminium frame. I found the painting was not difficult at all. That I knew, I knew the colours they'd used, so little bits of chipping and things I could easily touch up because I knew exactly the colours he used. Um, I used to use them myself. I knew the brand of paints, etc. So it was no problem to, to get the thing fr looking fresh again. But the aluminium frame was, was an issue because these wide old aluminium frames, they're not actually frames, they're edging strips. And if you have a look at those, every one of them has, has a mitre in the corner. I have no metalworking machinery, so I had to get out my uh, hacksaw and file and carefully cut the corners and hope that it was going to be the right length after I'd miscut it a little bit first and then having to cut it again. Is it going to get too short and it's not going to fit the, fit the uh, frame anymore? Anyway, I did it, and, and, and I'm, I must say that 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 was actually the hardest part, was putting on the aluminium again, because all of those had been just taken off and destroyed. Most of David's big paintings, which we, some of which we haven't ever found, were in fact given to Ian Chandler, and he reused them because he continued, Ian continued to paint large abstract paintings for some years after my father had finished. And, and we were all good friends, so he said, well, David said that he couldn't any longer um, justify working on that scale and all that type of painting, so he just passed on the frames to Ian Chandler. So one doesn't know where another one is going to turn up one day, turned over or, or by x-rays, you're probably going to find some more of David Dalwitz's work from the late 1960s. So. So that was really that was really what what what, what how we ended up coming to this exhibition uh, that we have on display now. A lot of people ask. There's sort of one other piece of history which really should should be um, expressed. I think we, we've we, we've all heard about my father's disappointment at not selling any of these works, and not just not selling them, not having anybody interested at all in them. So he, he just had a simple solution to that, just don't do any more and, and leave them on the front veranda. That's the best thing. And, and he, so he um, went on with his other practice, which included Helga and, and many other wonderful models, uh, who, many of whom were artists as well. Uh, and, and he painted um, figurative works then for the rest of his life. And up until in fact, the day he passed away. His last painting, he signed at four o'clock in the afternoon and, and he passed away about seven o'clock that night. So that painting is still with my sister. There were a few in the studio which were finished and framed, but not signed. But mostly, he, he sort of, his work was really tidied up beautifully at the time that he, he died. But for me, I, I decided in, the, um, in that year of frenzy of 1969 with my three exhibitions, one in Perth, one in Melbourne and one in Sydney, all in the most notable galleries in each of those respective cities. And, and they sold quite well in those, those places. But I had already made a decision that I wanted to go to Italy to see well, to Florence, in fact, particularly. Several people had been there, part of my family. My sister and my brother-in-law had been there, and they said, if you, 
thinking of having a look at something else in the world, you must go and meet Cristiano Toraldo di Francia of the famous uh, design studio, um, uh, um, Super Studio. And these were, these were ar architects and designers who one would call a radical, radical architects, who really designed and produced manifestos in the same way that many Surrealists and Dadaists did, and they didn't actually create architecture very much at all. They mostly wrote about not creating architecture, but to do things, and they, be, they are all famous now, and, and their studio was quite young at that time, and my brother-in-law and sister had recognised that this would be something I'd be very interested in. So I carefully photographed all my works, my jewellery, my dresses, my fabrics, my design work, my art, made up a lovely photographic album, big, big colour photographs, it's quite expensive to do. And I took it with me in my suitcase with my wife and my three-year-old daughter. She was, they travelled separately from the suitcase. Um, and we, we went and we did. We introduced ourselves to Cristiano and Aldolfo and his group and they were fantastic and they, they all loved Australia. They knew all about Australia. They knew all about the, 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 the environment. They knew all about Aboriginal culture. And when they, when they opened up my album and had a look, Cristiano went through it and he, he said, look, it's really great work that you've done, John, but don't do that anymore. There's enough people, there's enough people in the world doing that. We've got too much um, consumerism, too many people um, making things that are not necessary. Go back to Australia when you do and look after what you've got because Australia's got something special, something that we can't ever get. We've lost ours 5,000 years ago. You haven't lost yours. Go back and look after it. And it's really the way I'd been feeling and, 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 and that was really why I went. I went because I thought there's got to be something else. This is not actually being uh, what I want to do. And uh, that just clinched it. So I stopped. I, I had actually made an inquiry already to have an exhibition in Milan with, an exhibit, with, a, with a gallery I'd seen advertised in, in um, Art International, which was our Bible at the time. And uh, during the late 60s, Art International and Design International and Art uh, or, and Lille magazine were all marvellous inspirations. But, uh, and I picked out a gallery and I went there and he said, yes, you could have an exhibition. I went back to Florence where we'd just started to live and uh, and then I talked to Cristiano, and between us we all agreed, no, I wasn't going to do that. That was the end of it, and that was the end of it. So that's why you're seeing really a capsule in time that finished in 1969, and in 1970 I decided that I would, I would do other things that I was interested in, which included design and included photography and included other art pursuits um, over the years, but not providing colourful paintings for people to decorate their walls. I, I, I really enjoy seeing my paintings on people's walls, but I did feel at the time that they were buying them for the wrong reason. I got people coming to me and saying, 
I bought a red one last year. Could I swap it over for a green one because I've changed the colours of my room? And, you know, and I found that really demeaning and, 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 and there was nowhere else to turn. There were no other galleries. There was no other way of making a living out of art except by doing what I'd been doing. So, so Cristiano and his group really changed things and I'm very happy with what I've done since. It's clear that John is also a really fantastic conservator <laughs> of paintings. But also, I'll just mention to you that um, I went out to visit John and Dora and when I went on to the visit, we were really talking primarily about David's work. And when I went through the house and, and toured through talking with, with John about the paintings, I walked into their, their bedroom and I said, oh, well, and, and what about these paintings here, you know, and, and so forth. And, and John said, well, oh, no, they're mine. Um, the point here is that I had no idea that John had also painted in the same way as his father in that same year and leading up to that, to 1969. So my visit was actually an absolute surprise and it was very clear to me that there was this entire untold story about not only hard-edge painting in, in um, Australia, happening in Adelaide, but also in terms of John's practice. So the display at Lake Hall has been a great opportunity to showcase actually the power of, of John's work as well. So sorry, just on that note, perhaps we'll, we'll walk through and, and John can talk about a couple of the paintings in detail. Okay, thank you. Well, thanks for, thanks for coming in. Those of you who are within reach, I just wanted to point out that Helga is behind here. So that's the, that's the piece. That was the last link in that big, in that big painting. But the, the other interesting thing is that the reason, one of the reasons I really started to research all of this was that prior to, prior to me discovering the last link and having the title um, of Dynamo on the back of these paintings, Prior to that, there was another painting of my father's that had been misnamed Dynamo because we never had any photographs which showed the names attached to the painting. And another painting which went to Melbourne to be sold in a public gallery was actually called Dynamo. And I suspected that this was wrong and therefore I had to go through photographs, catalogues, and I had to piece together this exhibition and work out that that one was called, uh, uh, what's it called? Yellow, positive yellow. And, and, and obviously it was positive yellow. It was the only yellow painting in the whole exhibition. So one by one, I said, that's positive yellow. We knew already what blue flash was. We had these with their names on them. These two were already, had been exhibited uh, with the name. We worked, out, we worked out that this was Dynamo and I then had to correct, make that correction so that the other painting was not called Dynamo at all, it was called Genesis. And, and I found that on a little colour slide where my father had written on Genesis and spelt it incorrectly. 
So that was another dilemma. Do we use Genesis spelt incorrectly or do we use Genesis spelt correctly? And um, that one's still a little unresolved. So, so John. This, this kind of, uh, that big painting and Helga really were pivotal in information and, and putting the record straight. And then with the finishing touches from Elle and Tracy, it's not only putting it straight, it's making sure everybody else knows about it as well. Mm -hmm. So that's what's really valuable about this exhibition. But I was talking to you about little little things like this colour slides, little colour slide collection. It's just a snippet of my colour slide collection showing parties at the Seacliff House, which many of you would have visited and um, I can see amongst familiar faces uh, people who, who came to some of those parties. And the other one, uh, one with some of my own paintings in, in parties in the barn at Burnside and other places where, where we lived and where we had parties. So parties were a big part of it and it was also a good excuse to take photographs because there were people there that you wanted to remember. And, and that is, that, so those two little, little slide shows are very important to, to set the, the scene for, for where we, what we were all doing at the time. What I, if you don't mind me interrupting, John, um, what I certainly found quite extraordinary uh, working on this project was that the works, in terms of this space, for example, the side that John and I are standing on, the paintings that surround us are by David, and the paintings on the other side of the space are by John, and the mural at the back is totally unrelated, so it's our little red herring that we're working with. Um, but what was incredible was the, the fact is the paintings around, that wrap around uh, John and I on this side of the space, uh, putting blue flash aside, this work here, these paintings have not been seen for 50 years. So it's, you know, it was like being archaeologists, really, and, and bringing forward something that had been hidden. And it's really only through John's care uh, that these works are here with us now. So I, I guess maybe on, on that point we might conclude, John, and I just want to thank you so much um, for caring for these works. And, and looking after them and, and drawing them to our attention. Um, I feel like you've got to look in your eyes that you've got a little bit more you'd like to say. I don't want to cut you short unnecessarily, but I do perhaps, I would like to acknowledge you and, and thank you so much for the work that you have done. And it has been a joy to work with you, but also um, your work is, is formidable. I'm going to be giving a lunchtime talk in this space in two weeks time and I'll talk uh, a little bit more about the context and about John's work. Um, but I'll just take this moment, perhaps you, you may all wish to put your hands together and, and just acknowledge John. Thank you and, and his work, so over to you. Oh, there's one last thing I'd say, and following on from what Tracy just said. In actual fact, the positioning of the works, Blue Flash was on a wall there, Dynamo was on a wall here, 
these two works were on either side of Dynamo, and and Positive Yellow was on that side wall as well. So they're not exactly the same layout, but it is very similar to the to the actual um, experience that you had inside uh, Central Street Galleries in Sydney in August 1969. Um, so we will conclude now. I, I do wish to thank you all for your attention and, and staying with us. It was a little bit awkward, but it's, it's a great uh, compliment to you, John, uh, to, for us to have so many people here today. I have been also just asked to um, mention that next week's Tuesday, lunchtime talk will be given by Maria Zagala in Gallery 16, the gallery just next to us here. Uh, so you may all wish to um, look forward to that next Tuesday and I'll be speaking the following Tuesday. And just finally, thank you so much and, and thank you, John. Congratulations. Thank you.